Hey, welcome, Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. Uh, have a special guest today, uh, Brandy Vega from Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, I'm really, really excited to talk with her today. I had a chance to meet her when we were on the tour last summer. Um, I love that that part of the country. Uh, we even had an opportunity to go trout fishing in one of your beautiful streams there. Um, that was that was so fun. Bad. Yeah, it's just um, it's God's country, right? <laughs> Yep. It's beautiful. So you've been living out there your whole life? No, I'm actually originally from Arizona, but I've been here for 20 plus years. It feels like home. Yeah. When you're from Iowa, anything that side of the country is all <laughs> like the same. So Arizona and, you know, uh, it's all warm climates and uh, beautiful parts of the country. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. So you and I have similar passions. We like to help people. Right. You know, and I think one of the really neat things about this amazing, incredible, humbling journey I've been thrust into, as have you, is meeting really unique people that kind of have their own little niche, their own little sweet spot. And they're very driven. They're very hyper-focused on it. I found myself that way with the tour, with the podcast, and now with our app that, that when this does play our app is live. I mean, literally like today it's, it's our soft, a soft launches today. Um, when I say soft, we're not really going to have a real big announcement. Um, uh, we're going to get it out there like you do and test it and see how it goes and then fine tune it. But let's talk about your passion, maybe introduce our listeners, our, our watchers, our followers to your why, and then we can get into promise to live and how impactful that's been and kind of what, what transpired last year when you did this and then what you're anticipating coming up here on September 10th of this year. Great. Well, my passion is broadcasting it's media and all of that. I've been doing it practically my whole life. I knew from the time I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a news reporter and work in TV and journalism. And I actually graduated high school early, joined the army as a broadcast journalist and public affairs specialist and was reporting for Fox News at just 20 years old and got mm. to interview the president of the United States, George W. That's cool. Um, my other passion, pretty cool. Yeah, I've been all over the world and I had great experiences. And I, I also knew that was the only way I'd pay for college because mm -hmm. I grew up with um, a single mom and we grew up poor. And, and, you know, I got jobs at five, six years old selling rocks. And hmm. I, also love humanitarian work and philanthropy because I know what it's like to go without. So those have kind of been my two passions, but I have a video production company and a media company here in Utah and I have a nonprofit, but back in 2019, I almost lost my daughter to suicide and she was just 12 years old and it was devastating. And because of the stigma, we didn't talk about anything. I was so ashamed and embarrassed. And I felt like a huge failure that I was so horrible that even my own child didn't want to be around me or live and all the lies we tell ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, but she promised it would never happen again. And so we didn't talk about it. It was like this deep, dark secret that I carried for two years. And then at 14, she did it again. And thankfully, her friend had the courage to call 911. Hmm. Police woke us up in the middle of the night. We found her in time. We got her to primary children's hospital. But when we got there, they didn't even have a bed for her yeah. because they had had so many kids attempting to end their lives. How many years ago and was this, Brandy? 
was 21. Okay. Just 2021. Okay. Yeah. That was the second time she was just 14. And, um, at that point in time, it was devastating. I mean, the nurses were in the room visibly upset and crying with me, like what's going on? How are all these kids? There were almost a dozen suicide attempts that day. That day I had volunteered at the hospital that day at that hospital. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh... And I had volunteered at another hospital for seven years doing spiritual cares and nobody dies alone. And I would sit with patients as they took their final breath. And I was used to being in the hospital and I was used to being around pain and suffering and all the things. But when it's your child and you're the parent, it's different. And the next day we were still waiting for my child to wake up and hoping that she would and not have lasting effects. And, um, I decided I couldn't do the same thing I did before and expect different results. Mm. So I had a breakdown in my car in the parking lot and I just went on my, my personal Facebook page and I did a message and I said, I need help. I don't know if my daughter's going to live. And if she comes out of this, I need to find her help and I don't know where to go or what to do. And I know some of you have been through it. Please help me. Mm. And that video on my personal page went viral overnight, got 12,000 views. Um, I had hundreds of messages from people and I was shocked Mm. by all the people who were struggling and who now felt safe to reach out to me. One of those people was a friend from NBC news here locally. And they said, Hey, Brandy, I saw your video. Would you be willing to share your story? (laughs) Yeah. You can imagine the answer to that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, absolutely not. It's too personal. It's too painful. It's too private. No, Mm -hmm. but I was also praying to God, please save my daughter. Please give us, you know, another chance. And I got the overwhelming impression that said, I'll give you another chance, but there won't be a third. What are you going to do? Hmm. And I was like, wow, what is that? You know, this is my second time going through it. Did I not learn the right lessons? Did we not learn? What do we need to do? And so I really took that seriously. And shortly after my daughter woke up and I asked her, are you glad you're alive or do you wish you would have died? And Hmm. she said, mom, I didn't really want to die. It was just too late. And I ended up going to my friend's son's funeral and I looked at his 16 year old laying there and I just thought, he didn't really want to die either. It was just too late. And most of the people, they don't want to die, but they want to kill what's hurting them. Yeah. And so um, I reached out to all the other nonprofits and I said, hey, I have a video production studio. I've been a producer for 25 plus years. How can I help you? I'll do anything. I got a second chance. I want to pay it forward. And by the way, my daughter stayed in the hospital for a few weeks and then she went to an inpatient facility for a month. And so um, I started helping some of the nonprofits, but I discovered there was a lot of um, some work that needed to be done. Like we needed to gather things and and everything was scattered. And so I started working on that. But then two weeks later, my friends at NBC called again, and this is how it all started. And they said, Brandy, this is a huge problem. Nobody's willing to talk. Will you please reconsider? And I just thought, you know, I promised I would do whatever. So what's the power of a promise? Am I being tested? Right, right. But then I thought, if I'm terrified, 
and I'm used to being in front of the cameras. I was a news reporter for many, many years of my career. I can't imagine what a normal parent or person would feel like. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so I reluctantly did it. And when I went on NBC, I just said, hey, if you're watching, and I would just tell your listeners and viewers the same thing. Stop what you're doing right now and go check on your loved ones, your kids, your spouse, your family, friends, coworkers, and just ask them point blank. Are you suicidal? Don't beat around the bush. Honest questions get honest answers. This is what I shared on the news story. And shortly after it aired, a father reached out to me and he said, you just saved my daughter's life. Hmm. I said, what do you mean? He said, I watched your story. I literally stopped what I was doing. I went into her room. She had written her suicide note. She was in the process of trying to end her life. I caught her. We are at the hospital. Thank you. Hmm. And then another family reached out and they said, hey, thank you for being so vulnerable, which again, it was for me, that was one of the most painful videos I've ever done. Um, they said, thank you for being vulnerable. We talked to our son and he confessed he had a plan to end his life this weekend. We're getting him help. And so I just thought, man, if my personal story on local news that mm. reached 20,000 or whoever knows could save two lives, what if we could reach 200,000 or 2 million or whatever? And I thought of Live Aid. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. From 1995. Yep. yep. That was amazing. I mean, I was just a little kid, but I remember watching that thinking, how cool is it that all these singers and celebrities are coming together and doing this amazing show. And like the unity was impressive. Mm -hmm. So I, I put together a show last year, we bootstrapped it and um, we actually called it live live last year. Mm -hmm. We changed the name this year to promise to live, but our show, we had 60 different speakers. You were one of them. Mm -hmm. We had speakers, survivors, influencers, celebrities, um, professionals, and we wanted to do something different. It's like, if what's work, if what people are doing right now isn't working or could be done differently, yeah. we thought we would try that. And so what we did is we said, we have to get this message to everyone on the devices and the platforms they use mm -hmm. through the people they already know, trust and follow. So we streamed on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like all these platforms. And we brought these messages of hope and healing and 988 to the people. And I'm proud to announce that last year we reached about 160,000 people. That's uh, it's incredible. And it's a example again of taking something that, you know, is very uh, challenging and, and letting it define you in a good way, you know, something, find something positive yeah. out of it. The, the fact that, <laughs> I have a lot of questions to ask you, but I, I'll go back to, I'll go back to how terrifying it is to hear your story and hear the other parents reach out to you to say they literally caught this in, in the act, like in the middle of it. Um, the challenge is that I see Brandy is okay. So we identify a child that has suicidal ideation, right? Mm -hmm. then what it's almost to the same effect as saying, okay, my son's addicted to cocaine. Um, now what it's like, so that probably is where you pivoted to what you do now is that's your solution or your, um, yeah, 
you know, your ability to bring people together that are historically in a siloed environment. Most advocates are really, and I'll give you an example. Most of the people I meet that have lost a loved one to suicide, alcohol, or overdose, which was 825 Americans every day, every day, most of them are so awesome. Yet I feel sometimes they're so constrained because their, their life's mission is to say, raise money for their own nonprofit or, and that's great, but you know, that passion could actually be fueled and redirected to do so much more and still benefit your local nonprofit. It's not, it's not a, it's not mutually exclusive or a zero sum game where if I do X, I can't do Y. All this has an altruistic end game. That's what I've said the whole time. There should be no competition in life-saving measures. It should only be collaboration. And that's what we've really focused on. And we've, we've pivoted and we've teamed up with people. In fact, USANA Health Sciences, Kevin Guest, the CEO there, he's been a huge supporter this year. He knows what it's like firsthand. He almost lost a loved one. And, and when he talked to people in his company, you know, his top producers, many of them confessed that they were struggling mm-hmm. with one of these things. In fact, I'm on the um, grand challenge committee. It's called stop the stigma, stop stigma together. Mm-hmm. And I'm the chair for the synergies board. And I've just been trying to gather everybody together to say, who's doing what, how can we support each other? Because the more that we collaborate, the more lives we can save. And that's what we're genuinely trying to do with the promise to live. We're asking people everywhere from nonprofits and groups and organizations and individuals, celebrities, we're asking everyone, whether or not you even struggle, that if you ever feel sad, depressed, hopeless, or suicidal, if you ever find yourself in a dark place, promise right now that you'll reach out to someone, friend, family member, a trusted resource Mm -hmm. like Jed Foundation, NAMI, AFSP, Live On, all these groups, or call or text 988. A new study just came out that says, you know, 988's been out a year, yet only 18% of people know about it. I know. So we're on a mission to let people know about resources. And that's where this collaboration comes in. I'm like, join forces, because what I'm trying to do is gather all of the resources available and kind of put them in one place so that people can find them. And so just to carry on with how the promise to live works, it's a challenge. It's a global challenge. And we're telling people, Go online, make the promise right now, and then share it. There's a click share that puts it out to social media. When we share this openly, bring it into the light, we start conversations, we stop stigma and ultimately Mm -hmm. save lives. That's kind of what happened with me. And that's what got this whole ball rolling. So this grand challenge committee, they went around the world and they said, what's the biggest issue plaguing the planet right now? And all the global leaders said, it's mental health, suicide, and addiction. Yeah. Okay. How do we combat this? They decided that the number one way to combat this is to stop the stigma. I so this is agree. a campaign that we've created that we believe can do that in a real meaningful way. And we're also wanting people to share their personal stories when they take the promise to live. Why do you promise to live? I know I've got my reason. I promise because I watched my daughter almost die. I promise because last week I made a phone call to a local celebrity and I had to help him choose life at that very moment. Mm -hmm. 
I promised because of all the reasons, you know, I, I went to my friend's son's funeral. I've been to too many. I lost my stepnephew just two months ago. Mm-hmm. And this was my stepsister's second son. She's lost to suicide and she lost her mother. Mm-hmm. So there's just too many people who don't know how to make the pain stop. And this is what we need to focus on is how can we do that in a way that doesn't end their life? I, yeah. I like there's so much to unpack in what you just said. And like most times people talk, we focus on our own lives. Like every time you're talking, I'm thinking about my life, like what you're saying and how it applies to my life. And I don't know if you know this, but I've talked about it uh, a little bit on my social media platforms. It's not something I'm braggadocious about, but two years after my wife died, I had a gun to my head. And again, um, people that watch my show and they follow my podcast, they know we get into some pretty deep topics, but you know, there was a situation where had I ended my life two years ago, my family alone would have had an overdose death, an alcohol death, which was my wife and a suicide. Think of that for one second. That's one family in one town, in one street, in one state in the Midwest of this country where all three of the deaths of despair could have been my yeah. legacy. It would have been my legacy of my family, uh, you know, and, and in, in a negative way uh, from that perspective. But I didn't do it. But the Thanks. lesson from that moment where, and the most terrifying thing of considering suicide wasn't the actual act itself. To me, Brandy, it was the fact I was at peace with it. Yeah. That's the most terrifying thing is you could have said anything or I could have watched any podcast or I could have read any book on suicide. It wouldn't have mattered. I was at so peace. I wasn't afraid of death. I wasn't afraid of what happens when I, and that to me was the most freaking terrible thing was my willingness to add misery to my family and all the collateral damage that would have done all the young lives that I think I've impacted or I've had a chance to help or people that look up to Mr. Living Undeterred is this, yeah, you know, this, this rock solid guy that's strong as nails. Heck, I was in a fetal position with my Beretta cocked, you know, that I never, ever, ever a want to go back to even remotely that moment and B, I don't want anyone to have to go through that no. uh, themselves. So let me continue with this dialogue and see and get your thoughts on something. How did we get here? And why in a society where we have more abundance of anything we've ever wanted in our lives, why is it we are so disconnected and so miserable as not just kids, but as humans? I mean, the highest suicide rates are white middle-aged men percentage year over year. You know, that's not Gen Z, that's me. And I was there two years ago. I'm 57 now. So at 55, I would have been that statistic. But so why are we there? What can we do about it? How can we use the challenges and the evils that go with social media? How can we use all this to our advantage? Well, one of my dear friends just lost her husband. He was 52 a few mm. months ago. I wish I had the answers for that. I, don't I, I wish I did I too. <laughs> I can speculate. I can tell you that there was a new study that came out this year that says the suicide rate has gone up 71% amongst youth 10 to 17 years old since 2010. I can tell you that, and that blew my mind. And I thought, what happened in 2010? So, yeah. And can I, 
Can I just add, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, you're right. The cell phone, that's, that's the pivot when they want to flip. We want to flip from flip phones to smartphones. I think that's, you know, that's really where going back to this Genesis or the beginning of this issue, not that there wasn't suicides in the 1800s, there were, um, but, you know, going back to, um, and now I kind of, I forgot where I was going to go, but um, yeah, you're right. Talking about the from the flip phone to the iPhone, then the iPhone got you into the internet and got you into TikToks and all these things. And now it's just, it's, it's been a big uh, disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is we have this fake sort of world, this virtual world. I mean, there was a 16 year old girl overseas who posted on Instagram, Hey, I'm struggling tonight. I'm thinking about killing myself. Should I do it? Yes or no. And 69% of her so-called friends said yes. And she did. Uh, th- it's that's like, just... okay, where's the accountability and sextortion? That's a huge thing right now that especially a lot of youth are dealing with. Yeah. They get scammed online through the phone. Yep. And then all of a sudden they don't know a way out. And so there's a lot of horrible variables. But I think the number one thing we need to do is we need to start talking. We need to start connecting and having these honest conversations and knowing that, you know, I've been learning the last two and a half years through this process about things like copper toxicity and ketamine Mm. and, and breathing and all these different things that are like, okay, well, let's try this. There's not a one size fits all for people. Mm. So if we can find helpful resources and tools, maybe that's a start. And, and the biggest thing for me right now has been, what is the power of a promise? I mean, I told my daughter this, I just said, Hey, you know, I asked her, she's 16 now. She's doing great. Um, She's got a great job. She's taking college courses. She's excited for the future. Mm -hmm. But once you know, your child's capable of ending their life or anyone you love, you never have that same peace again. Like every time I hear a noise or don't hear from someone, I have a, a panic. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, there's just, you know, so much going on and um, it, it's hard to know how, how we can help them. But we have these honest conversations where I say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing? What's going on? How are you feeling? But when we're talking about the power of a promise, I told her, I said, if you don't want to live for yourself. I know you love your brother. Like, can you promise to live for him mm-hmm. or can you find something or someone? And that's why we're doing the promise to live because when you were in that dark space and when I've been in dark spaces and when people listening have been in dark spaces, I I almost took my life as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking my mom couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I chose to stay for my mom. And with this, we often don't love ourselves enough. Mm-hmm. We don't care about ourselves. We're, we're at peace with whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we make that promise, if I tell you, Jeff, I promise you that if I feel this way, I'm going to reach out. Mm-hmm. I care about you and my commitment to you enough mm-hmm. to potentially keep my word. Yeah. So that's what we, what we feel like this campaign is every 40 seconds, somebody dies by suicide in that same amount of time. You can take the promise to live and you can share it on social media and help us really start conversations. That's what's key and what's critical and, and share these resources. So we want to give somebody 
something so simple yet significant and tangible because everybody always says, Hey, well, I know it's a problem, but what can I do? Right. How can I help? Yeah. And the quote I used last year that I loved, I don't know if you've heard this one or not, but it, it's from Da Vinci. And he says, I've been impressed with the urgency of doing knowing is not enough. We must apply being willing is not enough. We must do. Everybody knows there's a problem when it comes to mental health, addiction, suicide, alcohol. We all know there's a problem. Yeah. And then we all sit back and say, well, let me know if you need anything or somebody should do something. But an opportunity or a chance to come out and say, I can do something. This is something I can do to be an advocate and an ally and a safe space and to help stop those steps that that perpetuate death. You mentioned Da Vinci, but and this person isn't in the same category, but he's very well regarded. But Matthew McConaughey said on a podcast I was listening to, his dad told him when he was getting into Hollywood, because you know, he, he was young and his he was very impressionable. He said, be less impressed and less impressive and be more in action. And what Matthew took from that was don't get caught up in all the glitz and the glory and all that work on your scripts, work on your acting work. And so I kind of listened to that and I thought that's pretty cool because I can steal that mindset, reframe it to what I'm doing at living undeterred. And now with our app that we're launching Brighton, um, be less impressed, be less impressive. In other words, don't worry so much about my image and my ego and don't get, you know, so enthralled by somebody's famous, 50 million followers on TikTok, and just be focused on being in action. You know, it's that yes. it's going back to what um, Epictetus said as a, as a stoic um, about focus on the things you can control and you can control your actions. Yep. I can't control if Brandy Vega shows up on the Dr. Phil show and I'm sitting here going, man, I wish that was me. You know, I can't control that. I can control though my actions. And so, you know, things with kids, they have a tremendous sense of imposter syndrome and they're voying into YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and Instagram um, and TikTok. And they're seeing these influencers and they look and they see a hundred thousand likes and 50,000 followers. And they're like, God, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing a blog and I got four people that read it last week. But you know, those four people, those four people, let's say there's five people. It's, you know, right now, one in five, especially kids are in the midst of a mental health crisis. It's 20%. So if you have five followers, there's a statistical probability. One of those people, what you do can save their life. You don't need 50 freaking thousand followers. You don't need to have this massive cult like, you know, to be impactful on society. You just have to have yeah. a strong conviction, an unwavering faith and confidence in what you're doing will make a difference um, and be undeterred. And it sounds rhetorical, but I keep going back to living undeterred and kind of where that idea popped into my head when Seth died. I presented to the boys two options, you know, one road of, despair and anger and, you know, suicide, maybe alcoholism, drugs, or a road of becoming a better human being, you know, and that's what you chose. And that's what many of the people I've met on this, 
incredible journey have chosen and still choose. My frustration lies in this. My frustration has always been pretty much the same, Brandy, and that's the more information we put out there, the more tremendous content, books, podcasts, webinars, school assemblies, the numbers are getting worse. So <laughs> I, I, I struggle with that. I really do as an advocate. You know, I mean, and the, and the examples are the two things that come to mind is the more information we put on nutrition out there, labels on Snicker bars and labels on Diet Cokes and what everything we put in our mouth has a label. Yet, go look at videos of beaches in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s when we didn't have all this information. People were fitter. People took care of themselves better. I'm, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but the reality is you look at, say, like the obesity rates and the cholesterol rates and the diabetes rates in our countries, and they're through the roof. These are things that can be prevented by how we eat and how we exercise. And so using that analogy, do we need more information on drugs and alcohol? Do we need more information on suicide? Diet? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think if we do, then we should see some linear relationship where as the information went up, or I, I guess it'd be the other way around, um, a negative correlation where you'd see the, the yeah. numbers getting better. My challenge to you and to every other advocate out there, my challenge to myself is how the hell do we provide more information to the masses yet start to see these numbers improve? That's the challenge you and I have, right? It can be very discouraging, right? Because you look at it and you say, man, we're doing everything we know to do. Yeah. And the numbers are not improving. But I think of the starfish story. I love you know, it. Like, yeah, okay, I love it. I might not be able to save everybody, but yeah. I know for a fact, since I've been doing this, yeah. I've had at least five people yeah. reach out to me in the last yep. two years saying that what the work that I'm doing and the work that our team is doing and partners um, save lives. And I needed you to say and that. So I needed to hear that from you because I do kind of hit my head on the wall every day. It's like, you know, man, I love what I do and this is going great and I'm excited for the growth, but I want to see the numbers get better. <laughs> I'm too damn impatient. It's like, I'm 57. I'm not going to live another hundred years. I don't have time to see the overdose deaths go from 46 to when Seth died to 106 last year to see him go back to 46. Yeah, you know, I don't have 50 years. And my yeah. problem is it's 106 is going to be 110 and then 140, then 200 until we do something not, different. Though. Yeah, maybe not. maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. And and all we can do like is is keep trying and implementing and trying new things. Okay, we're trying this. Maybe it's not working. We look at at the world today and it's like, okay, well what is the biggest issue? Is it stigma? Is it lack of connection? Is it social media? Yeah. Like, what is it? And I think that you have to know, you need to know the work you are doing is saving lives. Yeah. And often we don't know right. because we don't hear, how does somebody reach out and say, hey, the, the message you shared actually saved my life. I don't think you and I are gonna know that maybe till the next life. But it's like, we have to keep plugging away and we have to get these little wins. And you need to know, just like you told me, it's not about 
quantity. Mm-hmm. It's not about how many people see it. It's about the quality of the people who see it. Right. When I launched my nonprofit, Good Deed Revolution in 2015, it was doing good deeds, random acts of kindness, pay it forward. And we had a 35-year-old firefighter dying of lung cancer from 15 years of fighting fires and dealing with oh, carcinogens wow. and all the things. And his fire station reached out to me and they said, this guy's amazing. His dying wish, if you can help, is to meet Tom Cruise and fly in a fighter jet. I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I can make that. Give happen. me an easy little... one. <laughs> sure. But you know what? We tried. And so we put a message out. We launched our website. We launched our video. And we did this message with the firefighter. And we reached out to Tom Cruise and we said, hey, Tom, will you be his wingman? He's put it all on the line for 15 years. And this is his final moments. Right. Would you grant him his final wish? That video only had 600 views in the first like 24 hours. I get a phone call and it's an agent. And she goes, hey, Brandy, we saw your video and we're going to help. I'm like, what do you mean? Who? What? Yeah. It was Tom Cruise's agent. She had seen the video. I said, it only has 600 views. She said, well, one's mine, one's his, and we're going to help you, but you can't tell anyone. Yeah. And so we were able to grant this firefighter his final dying wish because we believed in it. We put the effort in it. Yep. We just sit back and say, it'll never happen. Gotcha. It will never happen. Yeah. And one of my greatest quotes that's kind of gotten me through life has been, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. That's so true. I don't yep. want to sit back and say, I didn't even try. Right. I want to say, it's not always easy, but I know it's worth it. Because mm-hmm. there's been several times, and I'm sure you felt the same way. I've been curled up crying saying, why am I even doing oh, this? Yeah. Yep. When people question your motives, like, oh, she's exploiting her child for attention. Yep. That's the last thing I'd ever want to do. But when somebody right. says something like that and you know it's untrue, it's just hurtful. Mm-hmm. And when others try to sabotage because you're doing work and it intimidates them, there's all this pain and you think, okay, why would I go up against this? Right. But there's so much opposition because the work that we're doing is critical. And one of my friends, he wrote a book called Three Feet to Gold. And I love this because they talk about this gold miner who dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and then gave up and sold everything and and was three feet from the mother load yeah and i feel like who knows if we're three feet from the mother load with the work Mm -hmm. who knows if you and i just keep pushing forward and charging and one of the campaigns or one of the initiatives or one of the people we get in there is really going to make that difference and imagine if somebody was able to save somebody we love is the work worth it? It's always worth it, but it can be definitely be discouraging. And so I think we just got to plug along and, and keep researching and saying, okay, well, if our rates are going up and this is what we're doing, we need to reevaluate maybe what we're doing. Yeah, we need to get and better, right? <laughs> we need to get better, not bitter. So in the last yeah. uh, five or 10 minutes or so, um, let's talk a little bit about Promise to Live uh, when it is, how can people get involved? Um, is there, you know, a website, you know, what we'll have links, you know, I'm hoping the, I think we can get this out prior to the the 10th. Um, but I guess, how do we, how do people contact you? How do they get involved? Yeah, please go to promise the number two live.org. You can go on there and make the promise and then click the opt in September 10th. We're going to be live streaming our Promise to Live show. We have actor um, John Voight. 
We have Dr. Oz. We have magician Eric LeClaire. We have the piano guys. We've got a really good list of talent and performers, and we're going to be sharing resources and information. We will be live streaming that from the promisetolive.org site. So go there. Um, if you're interested in participating and streaming or sharing the video or taking the promise, please, we ask you to do that. It's a simple way to, to help us save lives. Um, so you can always reach out to me on social media, just under Brandy Vega. You can go to any of the websites, gooddeedrevolution.org or promise to live. And the reason it's two, the number two is because it's a two part promise. The first promise is for you. Right. I promise that if I'm ever in a dark place, I'm going to reach out to someone. The second promise is for everyone else. Now I'm going to share this to stop the stigma, start conversations and save lives. I'm sharing this with my network. So first step is for you. Second step is for everyone else that you love. And you might not even know they're struggling and you may never know, but that simple act of sharing could potentially save their life. Yeah. And you look at, um, how key it is to, for self-care. So as a mental health advocate or a teacher or even a parent, um, it's very difficult to influence other people w when you're yourself struggling with these issues. So that's very key and important part of all this for the advocates out there, the teachers, the parents, the coaches, you know, take care of your mental health. You know, I mean, yeah. if, if you want to, you know, really impact young lives, it starts with you. And if you want to get kids to not drink alcohol, well, then maybe you quit drinking alcohol, you know, I mean, and then you can buy into this. So you're not, you're not feeling like a hypocrite, you know, talking to kids about drugs and alcohol, then you go home at night and you smoke pot and drink wine till you go to bed. That's got to make you feel a little hypocritical. Uh, at least it did when, when I drank, uh, I felt that way. Um, telling my son not to drink and my wife not to drink. And then I would drink, you know, who made, who made me more important than them. Right. So I That's think it's tricky. Self-care is important. Well, it's that whole secure your own oxygen analogy. Yep, it really is. Airplane. True. If you're not, if you're not breathing, if you're not thriving, you really, at the end of the day, you're not going to be good for everyone else. Mm -hmm. So like it or not, you've got to take the time to take care of yourself and I've had to do that. I've had to check out and just say, okay, yeah. I can't do it another minute too. because I'm overwhelmed. And when you're doing this work, you know better than anyone. Yeah. It It's meaningful, impactful, important, but it's also painful at times. Yeah. It's like having an open wound. Mm -hmm. I've had mine for four years, two and a half years. I've been open about it. And every time I talk about it, I peel the scab. Mm -hmm. And so then it'll start to heal. And then I peel this gap. And sometimes when I peel it, it hurts and I cry and the tears come mm -hmm. and I can't control my emotions. And then other times it's like, yeah, this is just an old scab that, that we're talking about. But the emotional toll when you're going through this as um, somebody who's sharing or as a caretaker or as a survivor, it can be exhausting. And so there are resources like NAMI. Yeah and AFSP mm -hmm. and Jed and live on and all of these groups. And I'm just thankful for those resources. I'm thankful for USANA for being um, a partner in this and reaching out to their global audience. They have hundreds of thousands of um, people around the world. And so this is a global initiative that we're sharing too. Mm -hmm. And I hope that your, 
your viewers and listeners will contribute and participate as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll have all the links on here and, and we'll hope, you know, certainly support the best way that we can. But um, so people can follow you on LinkedIn and Instagram and all the other. And now is it they follow you personally or are they following Promise to Live? Do they have a separate? Uh... So we do have um, Good Deed Revolution on YouTube. We need to set up our Promise to Live. We have Promise to Live on Instagram. It's Promise to Live Challenge. Okay. Uh, we also have it on Facebook, but you can follow me personally. You can follow the promise to live. We're always like cross promoting. Well, Brandy, it's always great to talk with you. And I really admire your courage and your, your wisdom that you bring to this, uh, important issue of suicide awareness. I do want to remind, uh, the listeners and followers and, and people that follow us know that, you know, suicide is extremely important. Uh, and the challenges there's co-occurring, uh, issues with this, these things. So normally these things aren't just isolated, um, improving parts of your mental health, like your own personal health or your purpose in life that goes a long ways with avoiding suicidal ideation, things like that. So just remind people that it takes a lot of work. Uh, I work really hard, so I don't ever go back to that place. But I don't spend all my time just focusing on not wanting to go back to that place because at some point I may go back to that place. So it's yeah. more of not living building. my life fearful, but inspired. And so building up my foundation of my health and my, my wealth and my purpose. And I mean wealth as in wealth as in relationships, things like that. And then this thing that popped into my head two years ago goes away at least for me, you know? Yep. So, you know, sometimes not focusing so much on the end game, but focusing on all the things that encompass that end game, you can actually not have to worry about these things. So that's, that's kind of the path I'm on and my curiosity level has never been higher. And so thanks again. Uh, people want to reach out to you. They can follow you on all the platforms and I'll have the links on, on this uh, podcast as well. So, Thanks for your yeah. time. Keep up the great work and uh, keep living undeterred, okay? Thank you.